This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we preview the NCAA Scheme and Indoor Track and Field Championships. Plus, the cross teams both defeated Middlebury and, as a result, entered the national rankings. All that and more are coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The women's lacrosse team is 3-0 and ranked 16th in the country after an outstanding week that saw the Bobcats win at Wheaton College 16-3 on Wednesday and knock off number two nationally ranked Middlebury 11-10 in overtime on the road Saturday. Bates rallied from four goals down to pick up a win over last year's NESCAC champion and national runner-up. Senior captain goalkeeper Eliza Statil made a career-high 20 saves in the victory, including a pair of clutch ones down the stretch. Statil earned NESCAC Women's Lacrosse Player of the Week honors, and she is our female Bobcat of the Week. Well, Elijah, let's talk about the Middlebury game. I mean, we talked before the year. You said it's basically the hardest environment to play in the NESCAC at Middlebury. It's a long trip. What was the difference this year for the team? I mean, the team you, you all were down late but were able to rally and get the victory. What was it like to see that progress from your view in, in goal? Um, so we really started to believe this year. I think that's something we've been trying to reinforce. One of the mottos that our assistant coaches says to us is act as if act as if we're going to play in May and that we are going to and that we're going to be champions this year. And that's been something that we've really focused on. So stepping onto the field, we are like, we're going to play our game. Um, it's really challenging to play against Middlebury at home on their Astro turf when it's cold and they have all their fans there. But we just played our game and we're really fortunate that we had two games before that to work out a couple of things and we played really well so I'm so excited. So the surface is it significantly different than the other venues? It is it's uh, their AstroTurf is much bouncier the ball moves really quick so it's really fast-paced which can be challenging. All right, so you had Kurt High, 20 saves. What was working well, so well for you? How you were seeing, obviously seeing the ball really well. Uh, definitely. I think I'm really fortunate to have a great group of defenders in front of me. They forced some shots that were challenging for attackers, and then most of them I don't even remember. I just <laughs> tried to find the ball and, and saw it and played just naturally. And then late in the game when you all are down three goals with what, like a little over two minutes left, what's going through your mind at that point? Um, I think I just said that we have to win. And one of our attackers, when we came off, Katie Allard was like, we are winning this game. And when you have that in the back of your head, you're not going to let anything in the goal. So, <laughs> What was your view of uh, Summer, uh, Summer Dias' game winner? I didn't even see it, to be honest. Oh. I couldn't really watch. And then all of a sudden she shot and everyone piled on top of her. And it just was really incredible. Well, what was it like right after the game, you know, talking with the coach and maybe like obviously your your friends and family who I'm sure and alums who I'm sure were uh, in attendance and whatnot? It was incredible the amount of texts that came in and all the hugs after the game. And it didn't really hit me till we were on the bus headed back. And I was like, holy cow, we just beat Middlebury. Because they, I mean, they were national runner-ups last year. I mean, this, and, and the NESCAC has a bunch of teams I know ranked in the top 15, you know, 20 in the country. Did it help that you had two games under your belt, you thought, maybe? It definitely helped. We um, really were playing a new defense this year, which we really adjusted to, and I loved playing. Um, and we worked out some of the kinks that I think some other teams haven't been able to. It's a real advantage that we go to New Jersey. Uh, we went to New Jersey this year and that we played some games, and um, really got to mesh together, and we have some new players that are contributing a lot 
So that's been really helpful. Was the game tying goal almost more exciting than the game winner because it came with, like, what, 10 seconds left? That was crazy. <laughs> Avery had no angle, comes in with the lefty shot. The, it shouldn't have gone in. I don't know how she worked her magic and made it happen, but that was crazy. <laughs> so 20 seconds left, and she made it happen. I know you said you don't remember most of your saves, but the two late have to stand out a little bit, right? I remember the two low saves at the end, and then there was a crazy rebound that kept going out. So there are two two saves within probably 10 seconds, and I was like, oh, my God, please scoop it up, get it back into the crease. <laughs> what, what did Coach Allen say after the game to everyone? He was just so proud of us. It was an incredible feeling, and he also said that this is just the beginning, and we can play so much better, and he's really optimistic going into the future, but we need to work, and the, the next game is the most important game. When you were a first year, you obviously you weren't the starter of that season, but the team you know, made the NCAA tournament. It was obviously a, a, a great season. I mean, it's, it's early in this year, but how does this team maybe compare to that one? Yeah, there's a, a different feeling this year. We talk about a vibe and a feeling that we have in the locker room, and that's been with us throughout the fall and the winter. And it's very similar to the one that we had our freshman year, my freshman year, when we went to NCAAs and we got a bid, and we ended up playing at home for an NCAA. So I'm really optimistic that we can go and play to some extent like that. Do you feel a significant change in, in your game at all this year as a senior, you know, your final season in terms of, you know, what skills you've been working on, your mentality and, and whatnot? I think one thing as a goalie is you can't play afraid. And when you step up against some teams that have been traditionally pretty good in the NESCAC, that's something that's intimidating. And when you have a seven-foot-tall attacker that's going against <laughs> you, it can be pretty scary. But I'm just trying to relax, and my defense does a good job of making me feel comfortable um, eliminating some of the tough shots that they take. So I'm really excited. We've talked to some um, – uh, we have those sophomore transfers, uh, Katie Clark and Catherine Grennan. We talked to Catherine last week, and um, you obviously work with Katie a lot as one of the defenders. What is she bringing to the table? Katie is awesome. She has helped us out so much, and her attitude and positivity is something that's helped JoJo and I, my co-captain, a lot this season. She, after a goal is scored, she calms us down, she shakes it off and says we can get through anything and makes us smile, which is a huge contribution to the team and is just rock solid on the left side of the crease and doesn't get beaten one-on-one D. So up next for the women's lacrosse team, uh, you got, what, a non-conference game Sunday? You're finally home, though, right? That must be nice. We're finally home. Yeah. I'm so excited. We have a doubleheader, so we're on the road, and then we come back and play against Plymouth State, which should be a really competitive game um, after playing Wesley and hopefully have some great energy going. They've been traditionally really well, uh, doing really well in the NESCAC, so I'm excited. And um, in terms of the Wesleyan game, another road NESCAC game, what do you know about the Cardinals? So we played them two years ago, and we went into overtime with them. And that was a really competitive game when we were at Wesleyan. Uh, they did really well last year in NESCACs and NCAAs. So we have to come out strong. We have to fix some of the things and mistakes that we had against Middlebury. But I think we can definitely do that. And if we come out and compete and have this momentum that we've kept with us, I'm really excited. And then just big picture, I mean, uh, win over a team like Middlebury, I mean, that, that's, not even, that's not even something the NCAA tournament team did, right? I mean, so uh, how – important is this do you think for the program this is huge this proves that Bates women's lacrosse can compete and can be one of the top teams in NESCAC which we've always believed but we haven't been able to completely prove to everyone else around us and now there's been a huge following and a group of support from our alumni and families which has been really cool all right Eliza Satil our female Bobcat of the week and the NESCAC women's lacrosse player of the week thanks so much thank you the men's lacrosse team is ranked 20th in the country after a week that saw the Bobcats win a 10-9 overtime thriller at Babson on Wednesday 
and follow that up with a 17-10 victory over Middlebury Sunday at Garcelon Field. Juniors Brendan Mullally and Otis Klingbeal combined for 11 goals in the victory. After the game, we caught up with Bates head coach Peter Lasagna. Well, Coach, the last few times you played Middlebury, it's been a one-goal game, basically. Didn't really go And we haven't won. <laughs> this time, though, you did win, and by seven goals. What was the big difference this afternoon compared to maybe previous times? I thought Eli Cooper and the wing guys, but, but Eli won a lot of those himself. I thought he was the difference in the game for us. He just kept getting us possessions, and when you make it, take it with our offense, we have a chance to outscore you. I also thought the defense really, really shut down uh, Middlebury's O after the first quarter. I was going to say, Eli, he's been you know doing face-off for you for a few years now. It's been sort of, I guess, kind of up and down. This was maybe one of his best games yet? Yeah, I think so. I think he's just he's continuing to get better. He's worked really hard at it. Um, the other guys that have been here before him, Sam Francis, you know, helped make him better. Um, and this young man, Macknick, who is uh, really, really, really good, is from Glastonbury like Eli is. Oh. So they've literally been going against each other their whole lives. So Eli's just been setting them up for a couple of years. Nice. And then um, Brendan Mullally, monster game. How I mean, did he have? <laughs> he had a lot. I haven't looked at my phone. He had six or seven but uh, and a bunch of assists, too. But, I mean, what have you seen from him and his development where he played some minutes as a first year, played a lot last year, and this year it was a huge game here? Well, I think that uh, what we – thought we might be able to get on their defense is they're going to slide really early to matchups they don't like and so if we could run away went run away and handle that pressure and move the ball twice and get the ball in a good feeding spot that we were, saw cutting lanes and that's Brendan's game he's very intellectual very cerebral player and uh, and he understood those lanes and he got to great spots and our guys got on the ball nice to have Otis back on the field huh it really is it's just so great to have Otis back and uh, you know he just brings us a lot he's a threat he stretches the defense a little bit and he just does a little bit of everything Gotta ask you about your strategy you play Mitchell Drake first half Rob Strain second half you've done that I believe each game so far what's behind that yeah we just um we felt like the whole preseason since we started uh, they were both playing at really high levels so rather than choose one we have two they have slightly different styles their strengths and weaknesses actually complement each other nicely so why not give them both an opportunity to play and and they both helped us win today anyone else stand out in this game that we haven't talked about uh i thought frankie spitz did a really nice job everywhere that he was um and i thought that a couple of our d middies jack golden the freshman and rj sarka number 24 uh and walker cooney number 51 did a great job i thought matt lastava i don't know what his points were but he just he made the right play you know most of the time and, and sometimes that's double assists for Matt but he just sees the field they played zone a little bit and he had a lot to do with us getting really good looks against the zone. Wesleyan coming up in a week right or less than a week now yes. I guess uh, what's the key to knocking off the defending national champ? Yeah well just practice our zone offense a lot uh, we like it we're comfortable and um, we look forward to having a week to prepare for a really good team. Peter Lasagna thanks so much. Thank you Aaron. Malali finished with a career-high six goals and a career-high five assists. His 11 points are the most for a Bobcat in one game since Matt Lestava's record-tying 13 points in the 2017 NCAA tournament. And Brendan Malali is our male Bobcat of the week. Middlebury, I know they've been a, kind of a thorn this side for the men's lacrosse team the last few years, so how satisfying was that win on Sunday? Oh, it was, it was incredible. It was uh, great to get a win, especially against those guys. Um, I have some history with uh, Middlebury. My mom actually uh, attended Middlebury, and uh, it was one of my top schools um, as I was going through the college process, and they uh, they ended up passing on me, and uh, it was just a great feeling to, to be able to get them back a little bit there. So that was awesome. Oh, interesting. So it's cool they ended up passing on you, yeah. so the extra motivation every time you play them, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only – I mean, it's great for a great team win, but a uh, great personal victory as well just uh, – be able to stick it to him for sure and then um i'll mention that during the college search process what made Bates attractive to you 
Um, well, I really, really just like Coach Azania, Um first and foremost. Uh, I came in here in the summer. I did a visit. I, I, I really enjoyed the campus. I enjoyed uh, just the close-knit community. And Coach Azania just really did a great job of just laying out uh, exactly um, what Bates and just the lacrosse program at Bates uh, is all about. And he really made it seem like it was a close-knit community. Um, it was similar to my high school experience, just very small team, small community, and just uh, made me just feel comfortable yeah. with, you know, with with being here in, in Lewis and Maine. So, awesome. For sure. Okay, so your first year on campus, the team makes a run of the NCAA quarterfinals, goes undefeated in the regular season. How crazy was that for you to step on campus and have that happen? Oh, uh, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's, I, I mean, it's just a credit to the, the senior class that year. Like, they, they were obviously an incredible, both uh, – on the field and just incredible guys off the field as well, just making us feel uh, comfortable and just uh, establishing a culture based across of working hard and just never being outworked. Uh, that was one thing that they really instilled in us, and I think we've carried it on uh, throughout the uh, our time here. What particularly was opening up for you on Sunday? Because it's career high in goals, career high in assists as well. Um, well, I mean, honestly, it's just our offense. I mean, it starts it starts first uh, with Eli Cooper. Uh, he was he was easily the game MVP. Um, that's been one of the biggest issues we've had, especially against Middlebury, is just winning faceoffs and getting those extra possessions. And on uh, Sunday, we were able to get those extra possessions, and our offense was just doing what we were supposed to do. We had a very specific game plan, uh, put in place, dodge, draw a slide, get it to the next guy either dodge or look at the crease. Uh, it was just really, it was really fun playing. That's that's pretty much the biggest difference is we had a lot of fun and uh, we were just doing what we were supposed to do and got everyone involved and it was it was just an amazing game overall. I've noticed you like to do some behind the back moves. Tell us about how those developed. Oh uh, well, yeah, I had a nickname in uh, high school. Uh, my coaches called me Mr. Conventional because I'd always find the most conventional way to put the ball in the net. Uh, obviously they, they called me that sarcastically. But um, no, it just kind of stemmed from uh, when I was at uh, in high school. Like basically, my coaches told me when you're on the crease, like keep the stick in your right hand. Like you have no like for for me especially, uh, my left hand isn't as as developed as I might like it to be. I'm still working on that. But um, just to, especially just on the crease, there's sometimes where you just gotta put the ball in, and uh, it's not always gonna be the best angle or the most. Uh, easy way to get it in, but sometimes the behind-the-back shots are the way to go, although Coach Azania would definitely like me to take maybe a few less of those. So. <laughs> well, speaking of that, I mean, last year, I never really got to talk to you about it, but obviously top play on SportsCenter in that Keene State game, behind-the-back pass for the behind-the-back goal. You had the behind-the-back goal part of that. Uh, you guys planned that in advance, or that just kind of it happened? Uh, no, we've actually, me and uh, me and Matt have done that a few times in practice, and uh, it just kind of ended up working out. I uh, he threw the pass to me, and I, I was already planning on shooting it behind the back before he threw it, but uh, he threw it to me, and I was like, all right, well, if this goes, this will this will be cool. <laughs> if not, I'll be hearing about it from Coach Lasagna. So uh, I was just lucky enough that it went in, and obviously it was a credit to you, too, for uh, for getting that on film. Like, if that's not on your your camera, then that's not making it on SportsCenter. So thank you for you as well. <laughs> yeah, no problem. That was a lot, obviously a lot of fun. And then, you know, mentioning you know, chemistry with Matt and everything. You got a new guy on attack with you this year, yeah. though. Otis Klingbeil, he was hurt last year. He's a junior. Uh, how cool to see him score five goals on Sunday? Oh, it's incredible. Um, there's no one on this team who works harder than Otis and no one who deserves uh, the success that he has had on Sunday more than him um it was a brutal injury uh, in the fall and it prevented him obviously from the entire season last year he was playing his freshman year and I mean we all knew he was this good we all knew that he was capable of uh putting up these numbers day in and day out and it's just really exciting that he got a chance to go out there and prove it and do it 
and it's all the more exciting for him just to see all that hard work and all that rehab pay off and make him have such a great day. You got a big week of practice coming up because you got the defending national champs coming to town on Saturday. Wesleyan, uh, these games have been really close too over the years, right? Oh, yeah, no. I mean, Wesleyan is definitely, uh, I'd say, our biggest recent rival. And, uh, I mean, we've uh, obviously had some recent history with them in the past two seasons, and we'd uh, definitely like to uh, come in and uh, give them a little bit of a scare at least. Well, what's the key to attacking their defense? Uh, well, they play a strong zone. They're, they're a huge zone team. Uh, I think just the same thing that we did against Middlebury, just getting the ball inside. I think that's going to be a huge key for us. If we can uh, get the ball inside and get them to really worry about us inside, I think that'll open up our outside shooters like Matt Kelleher, um, Curtis Napton, Otis, obviously. Those, those guys can sling the ball from outside. So I think if we can just uh, run our offense, try and get some inside looks early, I think it'll open everything up uh, against them. Growing up, when did you start playing lacrosse? Uh, I started playing when I was about five years old. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a lot earlier uh, than most people, but uh, that's just a credit to where I grew up and where I'm from. Uh, lacrosse is a very big deal, and uh, yeah, I just I started playing it. Uh, it, was, it was either t-ball or fiddlestick lacrosse, and my uh, my parents neither of them played lacrosse, so they said, "Hey, like let's give it a try," and it ended up working out. You ever play any other sports, or was that your sport? Uh, I did play other sports. I played soccer, I uh, wrestled, and I uh, also swam for a while. Hmm. What made lacrosse kind of your favorite going forward? Um, I mean, it's definitely had a lot to do with the culture of where I grew up. Um, uh, lacrosse is huge. Uh, a lot of guys from both my high school and neighboring high schools all played Division One, and it's similar to uh, like football in Texas sort of yeah. environment where like where we'd be at a Friday game and there'd be – 2,000 to 3,000 people for just like your average run-of-the-mill high school game. So definitely made just the whole atmosphere. I, re I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And it's just a fun game. It's a fun game to play. It's a fun game to watch. And I really just enjoy uh, every time I'm out there, whether it's practice, just hitting the wall. It's just it's something I really enjoy doing. And you're, are you from Baltimore proper or kind of in the area? No, I'm from Baltimore. It's Baltimore on my address. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Nice, nice. And so obviously lacrosse, as you mentioned, huge there. You know, so this season for you, what have you been working on in terms of, you know, taking your game to the next level? Because you got to play a lot more last year than you did the previous season, and now you're taking on, it seems like, an even bigger role. Uh, yeah, I mean, the things I've been working on are just the things I've been uh, working on since freshman year. Uh I've been trying to work a lot more on just uh, getting more involved with the dodging game. Uh, I've been playing a lot of off ball. That's been traditionally where I have been uh, in my lacrosse career. But uh, just playing more attack and just developing that chemistry with Maddie and just playing the, those two-man games, uh, those are starting to open some things up and just working more on that and being more of a threat to uh, dodge and score and maybe pass a little bit more than uh, just being an off ball cutter and just bothering guys on the crease. Excellent. So, any other thoughts on this Sunday win over Middlebury? Uh, I mean, no, nothing, nothing much. And then it was just a, it was a great team win overall. I mean, the defense played out of their minds. They got some stops. They won us some possessions that we may might have not deserved. And uh, like I said, Eli Cooper as well, and uh, Chris Costello on the wing too. He's traditionally uh, normally one of those faceoff guys, but uh, Coach Italian made the very uh, savvy move of putting him out on the wing, and it, it really paid off. We, I mean, those extra possessions are huge and. When we can score goals and get the ball right back, like it's it, it's very demoralizing for the other team. And so I just want to emphasize that it was a fantastic team win, and it was just a lot of fun to be there. And I was uh, lucky enough to be the beneficiary of some great play. Excellent. Brendan Merlali, Mail Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Aaron.
Women's Nordic skiing captain Kaylin Woods and women's alpine captain Griffin Mueller are headed to the NCAA championships for the second straight season. NCAAs get underway Wednesday in Stowe, Vermont with a 5K freestyle race. Last year, Woods finished 23rd in the freestyle race and 26th in the classical technique race. Meanwhile, Mueller took 22nd in the slalom and 30th in the giant slalom. We chatted with Woods and Mueller about traveling to NCAAs together again. Well, Kaylin, we'll start with you because this course in Vermont, you told me earlier this year, this is your one of your favorite courses to race on. What makes this course uh, so great for Nordic skiing in your opinion? Um, I really like this course because it f- skis really well. Um, I really, it has a lot of good hills and I'm, I really like that, especially when it comes to classic. There's a lot of really nice um, big hills to stride up, which is, I feel like I'm better at that so that's really nice <laughs> and then Griffin from the Alpine perspective I know this is a this was pretty tough during the during the carnival season I don't know what what do these hills play like the Stowe Hill is great it's always in great condition it's kind of one the slalom it rolls over three times with the last one being the steepest so it's exciting and there's always a lot of action on it this is different than the carnival season because there's a day between the events for each of you. So you get to watch the other person compete. What's that experience like, you know, based on the last year? Um, it's really exciting. Before last year, I had never really watched a full Nordic race. Mm. So um, it's really fun to see all the other teams out there and get to um, getting to cheer on Kaylin and, like, see how um, the race day plays out, like, for the other side of our team. How do you go about watching a Nordic race? Um, my first, I go about watching Nordic race by getting really excited and chasing <laughs> Kaylin around and, and disrupting her focus. <laughs> and then I try to run up and down as many switchbacks as I can so that I can see her the, mo- the no- most number of times and because they just pass you. But they're still going. It's not like an alpine. They don't just you don't just get to see them once. So, um, I think as much viewing time as you can. It's really fun. Excellent. And Kayla, what's it like watching Griffin and the alpine? Um, watching alpine is really fun. It kind of brings me back to my my alpine racing days when I was younger. So that's always fun to go back to that and kind of watch that. Um, as Griffin said, it's definitely different than watching a Nordic race because you only really see them once and it's for a split second. So just trying to get on the hill in the best possible position to see them for the longest amount of time. You can't really run up and down the hill because they're only going by once. But uh, yeah, just trying to get into that position where you can see them for the longest possible time. So Kaylin used to do some alpine racing. Did you ever do any Nordic racing? Um, I was on a Nordic team when I was a little um, in Telluride. We were called the Snowcats. <laughs> And uh, we did a lot of, like, fun stuff, but mostly I remember just having Nordic skis on, but just playing in the snow. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Now, back to the kind of the race course and everything. Um, You know, last year it was out in Colorado. What lessons did you take away from that experience competing at Nationals for the first time last year you're going to take into this year? Coming out of last year, I think it's uh, really important for me that uh, I'm just as excited, but I know that it's just a race, and um, I've done everything I can to get here, so I just have to do the same thing and go and not uh, freak out at all. Kaylin, is it similar for you in terms of you know last year and the excitement level, you know coming back for a second time? 
Yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely nice to have one under your belt. You know what to expect kind of going into the races. You know kind of the level of competition, but also just kind of trying to stay in the mindset of, you know, it's just another race. Um, I mean, it is the Nationals, but, you know, just another race. You're racing against a lot of people who you've raced against all year. Nothing's different. So kind of just trying to keep that mindset throughout. And from a Nordic perspective, one of the races will be um, a mass star and the other won't be. Um, what's a different approach you take to those two types of races? Yeah, so last year we had a 5K uh, classic race and a 15K mass start um, skate race. So different this year in that we're doing a 5K skate and a 15K mass classic. So distances are going to be different. Um, it was It's nice to kind of do mass starts throughout the the um, season especially having done a mass start this season at traps is really beneficial um, because it has a tricky kind of start you kind of go down and you bang a like 180 left left hander so it's really it's nice to have that um, but you kind of just have to relax and this way you start a mass start is all based on points and seating and so during the regular season you know I was kind of up towards the front it'll be different now that we're on nationals because there's a whole new way of kind of starting everyone so just trying to be kind of you know relax and just get through that little point and then just kind of like pick people off as you go excellent Griffin do you enjoy having the day between the events or is it just like you want to get them over with as quickly as possible yeah I really enjoy it we actually the days off we get to watch our nordies and We have, like, scheduled training. So, like, Mm. the East region, as a region, will go up on the race hill and get a lot of time to train on the um, hill. So that's really fun because not only is it prep for the race, but that's really good training at a really high, um, like, environment so that you kind of get a feel for what it's going to be like on race day. And um, you know that, like, you're... I'm most comfortable like on my skis, so when I'm sitting around, that's when I get overly excited or nervous, but when I'm on my skis, everything's good. We won't get into the details of the convoluted nature of the selection process, but I understand you didn't, you weren't quite sure after the Bates Carnival if you were going to make it until your coach, Michaela Holland, told you you were, right? Yeah, I <laughs> thought that I was, I knew I was close, I thought I was on the bubble, I thought I had to perform a little better at the Bates Carnival, um, and uh, my teammates who saw me after first run got that impression <laughs> from my face, but uh, it was all good. What I had done earlier in the season had set me up well. Yeah, what was the sense of relief like when Michaela told you you were, you were fine? I was really excited, and um, I guess it was just reassuring to know that I didn't need to come into that day with a lot of pressure on myself. Kaylin, I mean, you probably knew you were pretty safe coming into the Bates Carnival. What were your thoughts going through the last event there? Um, yeah, I mean, I was kind of at the beginning of the season riding the bubble a little bit like Griffin, um, which means I just was like lower in the point standings. Um, but after the UVM Carnival and then following that Middlebury, yeah, um, just kind to try and improve my points and also just kind of stay where I was. Points are really confusing, but just trying to – stay in in terms of 
results staying in front of the people who are behind me because that offsets points. Um, but going into Bates Carnival, I re- wanted to have a really solid skate race because I knew I could improve my points in that. So just trying to go out, um, kind of get those points and then also obviously perform in the classic, but just kind of know in the classic race that I had those points. So just trying to re- be able to relax, which was the second day, which was really nice. So I just kind of like relax, have fun, but also just try and try and get the result. And then Griffin, we had Hannah West on the show a few weeks ago and talked about how like she's done really well in the GS and trying to improve her slalom. It's kind of the opposite for you, right? You've been, you qualify because of your slalom performances. What makes the races different? What makes the GS, at least maybe for you personally, a little bit more challenging? Um, the different events are, um, I would say my preference towards them is based off a long history of um, getting more slalom turns in than I did GS mm-hmm. and uh, really having an affinity for a short radius turn. Um, I think different people like find their strengths and their weaknesses within. For me, GS is hard. There's more room in between the gates for me to think mm. about what's going on and what I'm doing. And that typically screws me up. The best I'm going to do is a course where uh, there's no time to think. And it's all muscle memory from the work I've been putting in, like in the preseason and early into the winter. Excellent. And then, um, you know, our thoughts on you know, our second trip and you two going, and I know you're good friends, going, to, going to, together again. <laughs> um, it's really exciting. I remember i mean this uh i guess last weekend at bates carnival i kind of already knew that griff had kind of (laughs) gotten in there and but she didn't really know that yet everyone knew except her yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is fine um but it was fun to kind of watch that all unfold and watch her kind of you know be surprised but also kind of just have that reassurance that you know she she put in the work to uh get there and i'm really excited to go back for a second year with her Excellent. Yeah. Same thing for you. Any other thoughts on, you know, returning with the same team, basically? Um, it's really exciting. I, um, at Middlebury, actually, because the courses are so close, Kaylee got to come watch us, and that was where I had my result that um, really got me mm. in there. And I came up to her in the finish, and she was just like, took you long enough. <laughs> you were starting to scare me. <laughs> and so um, that was really fun and kind of started us on this journey again. So we're really excited. All right. NCAA Skiing Championships start Wednesday. Kaylin Woods, Griffin Mueller, thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Sticking with the NCAA Championships, the Bates Track and Field Program is sending six athletes to Boston this weekend to hopefully wrap up the indoor season with some All-American finishes. Sophomore John Rex makes his first trip to NCAAs as the only underclassman who qualified to compete in the weight throw. Meanwhile, the women's team will compete in the distance medley relay with sophomore Vanessa Paolella, sophomore Amanda Kaufman, first-year Elise Lambert, and senior captain Aiden Eikhoff comprising Bates' sixth DMR team to compete in NCAAs in the past eight years. Senior Katie Barker, coming off an All-American season in cross-country, will compete in the 3,000-meter run, and Eikhoff will run the 800 meters. Women's head coach Jay Hartshorn previews nationals. Tell us a little bit about the last chance meet, because it seems like maybe in previous years, the last chance meet, you've seen a couple athletes, it may not have made a huge difference. This year it made all the difference in the world, especially with the DMR team, right? Yeah, and I was hoping really not to run them. And then I looked at the entries and realized we had a couple extra teams come in 
from outside the region. Um, so I was like, ah, we got to get back on the track. Um, and they did. They adjusted from me being like, no, we're not going to run to like, no, this has to happen really quickly. Um, and so that's how we made it in the meet. Um, and they're excited to be there. And I think the really good thing was for some of them, it was just a little more experience because that race um, at the last chance meet was like a national level race and there was 14 teams on the track. So it was crowded and messy and so a little bit of a, a preview of what it will be like this weekend. And tell us about the team members comprising the DMR. So as of like three years ago, the NCA kind of changed how they did relays. Before, the people that qualified, that was your relay. You got one alternate and then anybody who was like already in the meet for something else. Now they did the relay just like you would kind of at any meet. Like you have a time and then you can put whoever you want in that relay. So we sort of had a plan of how we were going to give people like the best opportunities, see um, where they stood. We had a, a lot of people that could have been on this relay, which is like a really good problem to have. Um, but then um, we ended up with Vanessa and Amanda and Elise and Aiden um, as the ones that were running at nationals this weekend. Three of those four are underclassmen. That's got to be pretty encouraging. Right? Yeah, well, those the first three have never been to nationals before. Right, so, right. But that's also why it felt really important to get a relay in. You know, Elise um, also qualified individually in the eight, but we're just running one event because they're pretty close back-to-back. -back. Aiden is running the eight in the DMR mile, but she's a senior and really ready for it. Um, but it's really fun to, like, have that experience with three people who have never been to nationals uh, that uh, Katie and Aiden obviously have been, and this is Katie's first track nationals, so that's fun. Yeah, Katie Barker coming off an All-American season cross-country, looking to uh, do what Catherine Cook did last year a little bit, right? This is a really weird year because they added numbers to the whole meet, which is really great because you get awesome representation, although all of our people would have made it under last year's numbers, but um, three more per event uh, beyond the relays. The relays are at 12, going from 17 to 20 on the women's side and 15 to 20 on the men's side. That makes it a big difference. And with that jump to 20, the 3K for the first time has a trials. Oh. Yeah, so it changes hmm. stuff. And yeah. um, therefore, last year, like people who had run like Catherine, the 3K and the 5K, if it was, that was the same schedule last year, she would have never run both. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to see um, the distance runners dividing up a little bit more. Um, the doubles not being like quite as possible. So it actually brought in a ton more athletes um, to the meet and we felt uh, much more confident of where Katie was sitting last weekend in terms of like you got it you'll get in because people are going to have to choose to get out of it so we'll see with running trials and finals hopefully she the it's a good problem if you make it to Saturday you're feeling like pretty good and then anything can happen and that would be the goal. Nationals in past years have been in the Midwest it's been in the South this time it's just to drive down to Boston do you like this it's like such a short trip, or do you like hopping on the plane going to the you know faraway states? Both. I liked yeah. the planning of this because it didn't take my whole Sunday to figure out like how do I get, you know, cross country. It was like how do we get twenty people on an airplane in two days, you know, yeah. and you don't have to go through all the logistics and negotiation with that. Um, the tricky thing is it's not a super easy place to get to in Boston. So we actually just did Airbnb and like men oh. and women, we're all gonna stay together <laughs> in like one big apartment and we'll, 
you know, hopefully play some Uno and see if we like each other at the end. But it's a good, it'll be a good drive that we can, like, if Katie runs at noon or around there on Friday, you know, we can all just, like, go get her ready, watch her, and then be able to come back really easily and chill. Um, so logistically, it's different being, like, in a big city. Um, but I think in terms of uh, most years, we have to also rebook flights because of snow and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So not having to deal with that is pretty awesome. And the Reggie Lewis Center is a bank track, and that's a little different. We've just sort of started dabbling in Division Three with having nationals on a bank right. track. So this will be our, I think, third time that okay. we're on a bank track. Um, at first, it was sort of like a little bit of pushback from people who didn't get on bank tracks. Like, well, we never run on bank tracks, so that's like not fair, but it's not you run a couple laps and you go, oh, this is weird, but, like, I like it weird, not, like, it's bad weird. Um, so now to be in a venue that, like, seats, I don't know, maybe 5,000 people or something is just a lot better. Um, what they don't have, which some other places have, um, is they don't really have a great, like, warm-up track situation. Um I think they run professional meets there, and they're like, if the pros can figure it out, you can figure it out, I think is their, like, stock answer. Um, but sometimes you're at these indoor facilities that they might have a brand-new indoor facility on campus, but they have an old indoor facility, and so your warm-up sometimes is a little bit better in that kind of place. Team scoring at Nationals is so interesting to me, because I remember one year, I think it might have been last year, two years ago, a school won a national title with, like, one person getting all their points. Like, things right. can really, the scoring is kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, well, we only score, you know, score through eight. Yeah. So if you have, if you get 20 points, which is, we either got 20 or 21 last year, you're kind of, you know you're, like, in business. Yeah. Um, because, so if you have one kid, like a thrower, that wins both. You're like, wow, like you might come in eighth. We've been in that situation before for sure. But um, yeah, last year there was a sophomore actually from UMass Boston who is the host mm -hmm. um, who basically won nationals by herself. She did have some teammates that pulled through and scored more points, but they didn't even need those right. points. They just needed her points. And she actually went to a Division One school this oh, year. Okay. So that, that end, <laughs> you know, sense. made, yeah, it did make sense. It's <laughs> exciting. She's, like, doing really well there. So it's yeah. cool to be like, oh, she ran Division Three. What's, ha what's happening now? It's a little more wide open at the top than this year, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, this is a year that I haven't been following it, like, too, too much. But when you look at all the rankings come in, it's going to come down to, like, oh, that maybe that kid on that really good team that had that like surprising performance and just put them over the edge. But I don't think you're going to see any team score like a ton of points. So I think it's going to be really, really tight. A number of years ago, there was a team that scored like 100 points at Nationals. That's mm -hmm. like a dual meet score. You're like, like, how did that even happen? Right. Now we're going to be like back down to earth sort of in the 30s and, um, you know, people sort of scraping it together on volume of kids being there. You mentioned the five women who are there. Of course, the men's team did get John Rex in there uh, for the weight throw. Uh, that's got to be nice to see, you know, more representation for Bates there on the men's side as well. Yeah, it's always more fun to have men and women. I don't know if he'll feel the same way of being like, I'm just surrounded by women the whole time, but they'll make it work. Um, but it is better to have both teams represented, in, and that's kind of like what we're used to, and I think a goal for both of us for, like, both programs to be there and experience it. And as a sophomore, this will be like great experience for him. It's a really 
upperclassmen heavy event. It's also probably the most competitive year ever in the men's weight throw. And like Coach Russia told me that, and then I looked through it and I was like, wow, I cannot believe how far these throws are. And like Johnny's throw, we're like, that's a great throw, you know, and to be at the end of that um, order is pretty crazy. We've seen Bates throwers rise up from their seating before though, I think so. Yeah, we have. <laughs> and I think that would be his goal, obviously, um, to beat the seating. And New England, they've had really good competition the whole entire year. And then probably look around and be like, okay, so I'm gonna graduate and see that, you know, window opened for next year. But he certainly trains like really, really hard has put a lot of effort in from not just this year, but like the day he stepped on campus. So it's exciting. Great. Well, any other thoughts on what you're looking forward to most uh, this upcoming weekend? Um, I think being in three events again, it's always fun or four when you add Johnny to have like, um, like more things going on and more representation. We're going to have a few more fans than we normally sure. would just because of the proximity um, and where people are from and being able to um, parents being able to get up and come out and then a couple people from our team will come so that will be nice um, so I guess mostly just feeling like it's a little more like home and that it will be just easier travel and easier for our fans to get to the meet excellent NCAA championships this weekend Jay Hartshorn thanks so much thank you the women's tennis team split a pair of matches at Merrill Gym over the weekend Bates defeated Mount Holyoke 8-1 on Saturday before falling to number 19 nationally ranked Brandeis 8-1 on Sunday. Sophomore Hannah Sweeney continues to impress, teaming with first-year Anna Rosen to win 8-1 in doubles on Saturday and going undefeated at number one singles, defeating her opponent from Mount Holyoke 6-love 6-3 and her opponent from Brandeis 7-6 6-4. Hannah Sweeney with us here on the Bobcast talking some women's tennis and Hannah let's talk about the trip to Florida to start the season um, in the spring here because the last year and the previous years before that obviously went to California this time taking on for women a division one team also a division two team what was that experience like? Yeah it was a great trip this year to Florida I had a lot of fun the weather was awesome definitely a lot warmer than it is um, out in California at this time of year and it was also a really cool experience. We got to train at the um, USTA National Center, um, and there were a lot of other collegiate teams there and um, some high-level tennis, which was super cool. Uh, we had two really good matches, one against Rollins, um, one against Oakland, so they're D1 and D2, and it was a good experience because we, we played the D1 and the D2 um, regulations for those matches, which is different than our normal um, matches, but it's good experience, and it uh, it makes the matches definitely uh, shorter, but more in- intense, and it's a it's good mental training, if anything. Um, yeah, so overall, Florida was awesome, and we always have a great time just getting away and hitting outside. Um, so it was great. Well, yeah, you mentioned the different rules. How much does that impact the matches at all in terms of like the scoring and whatnot? Yeah, so it's a no ad, um, and then for all the matches, and then also doubles um, is shortened as well. So it's definitely you know puts some more pressure on um, the the closer points, and it uh, also makes the matches go by a lot faster, which has its um, pluses. You know, you're off the court. You know, it's not a four hour match; right. it's maybe more like a two hour match. Um, but it's good. It's good mental training, just because you know at the deuce points you really have to 
you know, settle in and focus and, you know, uh, get it done. So you stepped in this year, you know, at number one singles. Um, what's that transition been like? In ter- I know you've played a little bit in the past, but what's that been like, you know, knowing every match you're going to be playing the other team's top player? Yeah, I've, I mean, at the end of the day, and I think I learned this as a freshman because I did uh, mix it up where I played mm-hmm. a little bit last year. Every point matters, and especially when you're in the NESCAC, every team is so strong and so deep that you're really never going to have, you know, an easy match, whether you're playing one or you're playing six, and every match is important and it's going to be tough, and uh, you got to go out there and give it all you have. So it's it's been awesome to play one. I really love that opportunity, um, and I think it comes with leadership, and that's awesome. So at the end of the day, it's, you know, a match is a match, though. So For sure. And you have a new doubles partner this year, a first year, Anna Rosen. I know you play with her a bit in the fall also mm-hmm. and now in the spring. What's that transition been like working with her? Yeah, Anna's awesome. Um, it's been great. We got an awesome freshman class this year. It's been super fun to kind of start in the fall and grow as a team so far. And we have so many matches ahead of us. And we even talked about that this weekend that we're really excited for, you know, being able to develop our strategies more and, you know, our, uh, just our like general composition on the court. And I'm really excited. Having a freshman partner is awesome because you kind of get to start from, you know, zero and work your way and, you know, build upon skills and grow as a team. So it's been a lot of fun. I'm excited. You're you're a sophomore yourself, and so what do you remember about your first year? And have you talked to Anna about you know what it takes to kind of you know make the transition from high school to college? I know she's coming from uh, Canada, so it might be a little bit different. But how, how much have you talked to her about that? Yeah, we've talked about it a lot, and I've definitely tried as a sophomore. You know, you're still an underclassman, but I think sophomores and freshmen on a team have a really you know special dynamic where you can kind of. Um, show them what you learned your freshman year and kind of take what the upperclassmen um, taught you in previous years and try to like bestow it upon them. And I had a sophomore doubles partner um, for the whole season last year and she was awesome to me and really gave me a lot of confidence and really helped me grow as a teammate and a tennis player as well. So I'm trying to, you know, do the same and kind of just take what the upperclassmen have showed me in the past and the same. Excellent. Well, this past weekend, obviously, some home matches indoor at Merrill, obviously not outdoor. Yeah. Uh, going from outdoor to start the season in Florida, now back to indoor. How, how does that change things, if at all? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was nice to be in Florida for the time being. Like I said, that the center that we played at was beautiful, like yeah. state of the art. Um, you know, but the thing is, when you play outside and then you come back inside, you definitely do feel fitter, you feel stronger, faster, um, and it definitely can be an advantage. And Merrill are our home courts, and, you know, people sometimes struggle with them. Just, you know, the surface can can be funky, and uh, but we love that, and we love to have the home advantage and when, every, you know, we have people cheering and a crowd, so it's awesome. I, I enjoy the home matches. I think they're really fun, so. And then um, NESCAC play starting up this weekend at Connecticut College. Where does the team have any goals in mind this year for NESCAC play and whatnot that you've kind of set maybe with team captain Bella Stone or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, the NESCAC is always so tough, so deep through and through. 
I think this season coming in, we have a lot of confidence. This is definitely um, a team that is really excited for what the season has to has to offer. And um, every NASCAR team is tough, and we go out there and we know that and we respect them and um, we know what it takes. But we are really excited, and I think we're really optimistic for what the season has to bring. All right, Hannah Sweeney, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Appreciate it. Thank you. The men's tennis team also split a pair of home matches. The number 23 nationally ranked Bobcats defeated Wheaton 9-Love on Saturday before falling 7-2 to 10th ranked Brandeis on Sunday. Senior captain Josh Quijano teamed with junior Jacob Coppola at number one doubles and split a pair of matches. Quijano really shined at number one singles, winning 6-4, 6-1 on Saturday and 6-7, 6-Love, 6-1 on Sunday. Talking some men's tennis with senior captain Josh Quijano here on the Bobcast. And Josh, first of all, let's talk about the trip to Florida. A little bit different than in past years, right? We previously went to California, this time going down to Florida at a really nice complex, I understand. Tell us about how that trip playing against Division II schools have helped you prepare for you know, the meet of the season coming up. Yeah, so uh, it was a lot different this year because we usually go down to California, but that flight is like six to eight hours. Just doing that in itself is like a day, day trip. But... Um, when we got down to Florida, the weather was great. So um, the biggest difference, I think, and that actually helped us a lot, was practice. We did two-a-day practice, so we practiced in the morning and practiced in the afternoon. Um, and we couldn't really do that in California, so we got a lot of reps in. And then when we played our matches down there, we were, we were super ready for it. So it was just a great trip. And then you have a new doubles partner this year in Jacob Coppola. He was obviously an All-American with Ben Rosen last season. What's it like playing with him? Yeah, he's a monster. He brings uh, so much energy that um, that it kind of surprised me, but I love playing with him. I think we mesh super well, um, and doubles is all about energy. So, like, me and him together, uh, he brings out a lot of energy from me, and we're just all over the net. And he knows what he's doing, obviously, as an All-American, so he's helping me along, too, so it's, it's been great. You enjoy playing number one singles this year? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was always the goal, and... Um, I, I, I love it. Like, the competition at this level, like, no matter what you play in the lineup, but just, just saying you're number one is pretty cool. Um, and I think, I think I've been able to step up, and it's been really, a, like, I've been, I've been able to grow as a person, too, so it's been awesome. And then in terms of, you know, determining the lineup, I know we, uh, when I talk to squash players, there's all those challenge matches and whatnot. Is tennis the same way? Yeah, so we had our challenge matches before the season started. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure lineups could change during the season if um, things don't go well, if someone gets injured or something like that. But uh, for the most part, I think it's pretty set. Um, and if there's any like discrepancies, like our team's super open this year. Like we'll talk to each other, so we'll see what happens. So as one of the senior captains, along with Dwayne and Dylan Davis, what's that been like so far? Uh, it's been great. There's a lot of responsibility involved, um, but I mean the guys on the team have made it super easy for us. Uh, we set our goal this year to be number one. Um, obviously, this loss of Brandeis is a tough one. They are a top 10 team, but uh, we can't have that as an excuse if we're going to be number one, right? Um, but So we're going to have a team meeting and, uh, and talk about it. But it's not really going to stop us. It's just going to encourage us more to, to work harder and train harder. You mentioned the responsibilities. What are some of those that the captains have to take uh, charge of? Um, so the, the, the main thing is just practices, like being focused in practice, what's our goal in practice. Sometimes, uh, like e even even in my case, I, I kind of lose um, track of what's going on. So as captains, 
Dwayne and Dylan are there to also help out, and then we just get the team going on the same path, and then so that's what we do. I noticed the other day at Merrill, you know, you were hitting with Anna Rosen on the women's team. How much um, interaction, I guess, in practicing together, men and women, is there in the tennis program? Yeah, uh, so there's not too much, but definitely we we do practice with them when, like, some people can't hit on the guys' team or the girls' team can't hit. Um, and, I mean, it, it's not really that, like, one team tries to keep away. It's just that we have, like, an even lineup, so, like, all the guys have someone to hit with. But... Uh, t- I mean, all the girls are amazing. So hitting with Anna Rosen actually helped me for this match over the weekend. So it was awesome. Sure, and you you've had you know some success here at number one singles. Tell us about some of the matches you played over the weekend and what was working for you out there. Um, so over the weekend, I had an incredible singles um, time. I mean, I was able to beat both both my opponents. Uh, but the biggest thing was really just being focused every point. Coach uh, does a really good job of letting us know that it's not about the whole match. It's about like each single point and then it will it will add up so I think I did a good job of not really looking at the whole thing but just focusing one at a time and you know the saying like uh, the way to eat a cow is to take it piece by piece right so yeah well I I lose the Brandeis match was a three setter right that's obviously got to take a lot of energy out of you right (laughs) yeah I know my body's beat up but uh, (laughs) we we had a day off yesterday and uh, I think I think it was nice I got to get a little hit in today but just a little bit because my body's still beat up, you know, and I am growing old, so, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, moving forward in the NESCAC play, obviously, you know, you're a senior now. What have you learned over the years about the quality of that NESCAC competition? Because, you know, up and down, you know, anyone can be anybody, it seems like. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, the NESCAC in, in tennis, at least, is the hardest um, league there is in, in D3. Uh, but we love it. Like, I mean, we have the, the number one, number two, number seven, number 11, and then we're going to be up there, too, this year, so... I mean, it's just, every match is going to count, um, and that's what's going to make make our team to the next level is playing these matches. So, Excellent. Josh Quijano, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Appreciate it. Thank you. Junior Lutza Polgar, senior captain Vicky Arjun, junior Graham Bunnell, and sophomore Omar Artea competed at College Squash Association Individual Nationals over the weekend. Polgar had another solid run, advancing to the Holleran West semifinals. Next time on the Bates Bobcast. We'll recap how our skiers and track and field athletes do at the NCAA Championships. Plus, we'll tell you how the men's lacrosse team does against defending national champion Wesleyan. Face-off is set for 1 p.m. Saturday at Garcelon Field. We'll also recap the first week of games for Bates softball, and the Bates baseball team returns to action this Saturday at Endicott. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my